want to thank ReviewBiz for sponsoring today's episode. By the way, did you know that reviews are today's digital word of mouth? It's also one of the most valuable business and marketing assets you have. If you're not maximizing your review strategy, then ReviewBiz platform can help you. Let ReviewBiz inspire your members to give you your first five reviews for only $1. To get started, just go to reviewbiz.io forward slash try. So I always tell people, if you follow up harder, and my rule is follow up 12 times or keep following up until they tell you to stop. Right. Like literally keep following up because if they expressed interest, maybe it's not today. Maybe it's not next week. Maybe it's not next month. Maybe it's six months from now. But if you give up, it's never going to happen, right? They're not going to all of a sudden stumble upon you again. So I always tell people, follow up so much harder as if their life depends on you seeking them out to rescue them. That's what they need from you. And so keep trying, keep pursuing until they tell you to stop. What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Gym Owners Grow Zone podcast. I'm your host, Andres Escobar, and I'm so ready to share our next episode and conversation I had with our guest, Dan Ritchie. Dan is a seasoned fitness leader specializing in training mature clients and working with Division I athletes. He's also presented at conferences on the exercises for dementia patients and understands how to build a successful gym franchise. Join us as we discuss business growth and work-life balance with Dan, who's also built one of the largest gyms in America. You can learn more at functionalaginginstitute.com. If this is your first time listening to our podcast and you like what you're hearing, go ahead and follow us on your favorite platform. We appreciate your support and are truly thankful for it. Also, when you're listening to the show and you think of a friend, do them a favor, share it with them because sharing is caring and it's the nice thing to do. My last ask is simple. Since we are new, we need ratings and reviews. We would greatly appreciate it if you would help us to reach a wider audience and improve the show with your feedback. By the way, if you have any other comments or feedback, feel free to connect directly with me through Instagram at meetesco. And I'd love to hear any suggestions or feedback you want to share with me. You can also find me on LinkedIn at Andres Escobar, the number one. Now, as we dive into Dan's episode today, I'm really intrigued to get your opinion and your thoughts about what he's about to share with us. So let's go ahead and jump in and listen to our conversation. Hey everybody, it's Andres again and... We're here with Dr. Dan Ritchie. Welcome, Dan, to the show. We appreciate you coming out and taking the time to share with us the knowledge and wisdom that you've learned from owning your gyms. And so we're so happy to have you here. And I want to take this time in the beginning to let you introduce yourself to tell us about your story, that your origin story, the way you began. Because to me, Gym owners are like superheroes, honestly, because you guys are juggling so many things. And, and so I know that there is an origin story for you and how you got into this world of fitness. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on. I love doing this and uh, I love sharing my story and anything we can do to help people uh, avoid some of the mistakes that I made. Yes. So I got a uh, bachelor's degree in fitness and sports medicine and thought I wanted to be a strength coach. And you know, I had some good advisors and good professors early on. They're like, hey, there's only 32 strength coaching jobs in the NFL. So, you know, sort of get your mind out of that mindset. And I learned pretty quickly. I wound up as a strength coach for a year at my alma mater at Southeast Missouri State. And I'm like, how does the guy who coached NFL stars like Emmett Smith and Neil Anderson and some of these great running backs of the 80s and 90s, how does he wind up at Southeast Missouri State? Well, he winds up there because Shanahan went from the University of Florida to the Denver Broncos, and he could only take one strength coat. And so the guy who gets left behind gets the head job at Florida, and then the new football coach comes in and cleans house. And here you wind up going from Florida to Southeast Missouri State. And I realized, okay, I don't think I want to be a strength coach at the college level and have somebody else controlling my, you know, destiny. And so 
I went on to, to pursue a master's degree and eventually a PhD, and, and that's the doctor. And I, I joke PhD stands for poor house doctor, not money doctor. That's the medical doctor, right. you know. So, right. so, so you're like, how does a PhD wind up running a gym? Yeah, yeah, dude. Well, like, not very unique. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, very unique. Well, halfway through my PhD program, my business partner and I were both very also entrepreneurial minded. And we're like, hey, we should open this business that we're telling everybody they should do which is a personal training studio for older adults, baby boomers, seniors. They've got the money. And so we wind up opening Miracles Fitness before we completed our PhDs. And and then we get our PhDs and my business partner goes off and does sort of the normal thing, becomes a professor. And and here I am, this expert personal trainer with a PhD. But but it all worked out because the PhD has allowed me to, you know, build an education company, the Functional Aging Institute, and and educate trainers around the world. So so yeah, that's kind of my backstory. Yeah, and we're definitely going to unwrap it more, right? And so it, it's definitely very unique how you opened up Miracles Fitness and and you joke about this right now because you actually sold Miracles Fitness. And so you before that, you acquired a Pilates studio. So so any Pilates studios out there as, as well. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you forgot about that, right? I did it. I did it. <laughs> All right, right. <laughs> and so, so yeah, definitely want to give you opportunity to talk about those organizations that you you are part of. And in our show, we'd like to talk about life and business, you know, and there's roller coaster. It's a roller coaster. Really. It yeah. turns ups and downs, you know. And if a roller coaster does not have a track or guardrails, it's gonna go off and it's it's gonna be dangerous for everybody involved. So yeah. share with us if you could, what are some of the tracks and guardrails that you used in your business and your life to keep you on track moving forward to your goals? Well, there's a probably two or three things. One, obviously having a supportive family and a wife and kids, you know, continuing to, to be like, hey, I there is a mentality out there. And, and unfortunately, I think it can often be the detriment to some gym owners in that it becomes your entire life. It consumes you because a gym is not a business that really ever closes, right? I mean, if you open at 6 a.m., you have people that want to train with you at 5 a.m. And if you open at 5 a.m., you have clients that want to train with you at 4 a.m. And I remember we were open 6 a.m. to 8 p.m. And I could work all of those hours if I let myself, you know. And so you sort of at some point had to say, you know what, I didn't open a gym so that I would never see my kids grow up, you know. So I had to start setting some boundaries around my hours. But I remember people saying, well, if you were open till 9, I'd train with you at 8. Well, yeah, sure, you probably would, but I mean, I can't, eventually, you can't let the clients run the business, you know, so you have to set some boundaries. And so part of that was, hey, I want to be home to have dinner with my wife and kids. And so if I got to be out of here by five thirty, six o'clock at night, then, you know, that's a boundary right there, right? That sort of kept me. And then probably the other, the other big thing was, was hiring mentors and coaches, to guide me because I think part of it was, oh, well, I got a PhD. I'm an expert in this stuff. How hard can it be? Well, but I wasn't an expert in the business stuff, right? I wasn't an expert in managing my schedule and how much I should charge per hour and hiring people and firing people. And, you know, should we be open 70 hours a week or 80 hours a week? And, you know, I think sometimes people think, well, if you're open more, you're making more money. Well, not necessarily, no. right? I mean, it's like at the end of the day, you're like, wait, I'd like to be open one hour a week for one client that pays me $1 million a year, right? I mean, it's like, sure. You know, so, so you along the way have to realize, you know, and I think part of it took me a couple of years to realize there's a lot of stuff I don't know about running a business that has nothing to do with fitness, nothing to do with personal training. And so I hired my first business coach. And then eventually that led to hiring another business coach and mentor. And, and those things just really helped me because then you get people who are like, hey, you need to stop doing this and do more of this and stay in this lane, you know, and it just helps you get better focused and a little better grip on your business. That's great. No. And, you know, going back to, hey, listen, these are my hours. This is what you got, right? Because it's so tempting as a business owner. Hey, let me expand my offering. Let me do more. And I just think about Henry Ford's model, <laughs> Model T, actually. Hey, any color yeah, right. you want, as long as it's black. <laughs> right, that's right. <laughs> but you, you got to like, where is the, the balance, right? From that, because obviously you're very unique, brand new to the industry, nothing else like it. So, hey, you can have it, but it's got to be black. Or, you know, there's so many gyms out there. You, you don't want to be that, <laughs> like, unless there's something completely unique. Like I just saw there's a, a fitness program where it's all underwater. So 
Okay. <laughs> Completely. You're lifting, That's unique. That's you're unique. lifting weights. You're holding your breath. You're doing, I mean, it's, it's pretty unique. That's, I mean, listen, as, as long as between these hours, the pool needs to be open. Yeah, yeah. But, I already feel like I'm drowning. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's unique. That's unique. Yeah, no, and I can imagine, you know, that could be, a, that's a great industry to kind of uh, test the waters, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, but it's, you know, I'm cheesy all the way, so I don't hide that. <laughs> but yeah, I think, you know, where's that balance? Where did you find your balance? You know, these aren't questions that I have prepared, but it's like, you know, I'm intrigued about this, like, because somebody opening a gym or growing their gym they're asked, Hey, I want more. I want more. The client can, right. Who directs the call? Like, how do you decide in those instances? Yeah. Well, that's where I think the first two years I didn't, right. You know, it was sort of like, it's got to get done. So somebody has got to do it and I can't afford to hire someone. So I'm doing it right. You know, it's like, ah, somebody has got to work Saturday and eh, I don't want to pay someone to work Saturday. So I'll work Saturday, you know? And after a year or two, you realize I didn't open a gym so I could become a slave to it. Now, Sometimes people, I don't think, come to that conclusion fast enough or ever. Yeah. I mean, I talk to people that are seven, eight-year gym owners, and they're like, well, you know what it's like to work 60 hours a week. I'm like, yeah, I knew what it was like 15 years ago, but I moved past that pretty quickly and also realized I have to, if I'm not graduating from a self-employed cheap laborer in my own business to a business owner who doesn't ever have to be here, right, essentially directs the business but doesn't have to be here for it to operate then I'm not really growing as a business owner. I, I didn't open a fitness studio so that I would have to work 60 hours a week. I could have found that job anywhere. I mean, you know, a college strength coach, they work 60 hours a week, right? Their hours are terrible. And so I realized I got to get some help to get a little better organized so that I'm not, I don't have, you know, if a new client wants to sign up and they want to train at six o'clock at night, well, I don't have to take them on if I'm doing a good job with staffing and hiring and hiring great people and, you know, it doesn't have to just be, oh, Dan's got to take on the new schedule, the new program, the new client. No, I've got a great team in place, you know, and so building a business that should lead to the business owner having greater freedom, not less freedom. Yeah. You didn't open a fitness business so that you could become a slave to it and never take a vacation for the rest of your life. Ooh, come on. Right? That's good. But, Preach it. But sometimes, sometimes we don't think about that, right? Because we're like, well, how could I? I mean, you hear gym owners, well, how could I possibly take a vacation? right? Who's going to train the clients? You know, it's like, well, I mean, at some point you're like, wait a minute, the manager at McDonald's is taking three weeks of vacation a year and you're taking zero. You know, it's like, who's winning? Who's winning? You know, right, the, the, right. We joke, we joke the bankers and the insurance agents, right? They get all these bank holidays and these three-day weekends and all this sort of stuff. I'm like, they're still making tons of money, you know? Yeah. So they're like, they're still very successful. So, you know, I started to shift into my thinking of, how can I maximize my revenues and my profits, but be here less? Yeah. You know, how can I start taking time off, take vacations, be gone? And so you have to, that's to me, I think is sort of an aspect of turning pro, right? right? I mean, at the end of the day, I think some people are scared about opening a fitness business. Opening a fitness business is not that hard. It's really not. It's a little bit scary, but it's not that hard. It doesn't even take that much money. People do it all the time. You can find a space to lease that you can jump into really quickly. You can equip it with about two grand worth of equipment and boom, you're off and running. Right. That's easy, right? The hard part is, can you make a profit, right? Can you be profitable? Can you be successful? And can you run an operation that you don't have to be there all the time, right? And so, you know, so for me, turning pro sort of in that third year, hiring a business coach to say, hey, I don't want to have to do all the selling. I don't want to have to do you know, the grunt work. I don't want to, I want to graduate from cleaning the locker room and, you know, all the stuff like you shouldn't be doing. I remember one of my business coaches in 2010, he's like, you've got to eliminate every job that you could pay someone 10, 12, $15 an hour. Now this is back in 2009, 2010, when you could actually pay someone $12 an hour to do a lot of these jobs. You could hire students from Purdue to, to clean your fitness equipment for nine bucks an hour, right? This is, I mean, we're talking 12, 13 years ago. Why am I cleaning equipment, right? So when my business coach said, every time you, Dan, as the owner is doing a $10, $12, $15 an hour job, you are hurting your business, right? You're really hurting your bottom line because you need to be doing the $100 an hour jobs, right? And so so that was a big shift in my thinking and, and my time management too, right? If I'm focused on $100 an hour jobs, then all of a sudden I don't have to work quite as much because the $12 and $15 an hour jobs are endless in a gym. But Dr. Dan, Dr. Dan... We have people that 
gym owners that say they're not going to do it as well as I am going to do it. So I just might as well just do it there. I'm paying them to do it and I got to go back and do it for them. What do you say to that? Like that's, I know it's a question that they're asking right now. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that all the time. Yeah. And, and honestly, I think it's total nonsense. I really Tell do. Us. It's just nonsense. Now, are there business owners that might care just a little bit more? So they're going to clean a piece of fitness equipment a little bit better? Maybe. So, okay, so you're worth $13 an hour cleaning the treadmill versus a a college kid who's worth $11 an hour, right? I mean, but at the end of the day, that is not worth, that's a perfectionist mentality that is going to just run you into the ground, right? Well, nobody can do it as well as I can. First of all, I don't think that's even true. I'm not good at cleaning locker rooms. I'm not. So I hired someone who was really good at it, right? And she was willing to do it for about 30 bucks an hour. And she did an amazing job. How much? Say it again. 30 bucks an hour. Yeah, maybe, maybe you're not paying your people enough to clean the that way you be, want to clean it. Right. Dr. Dan said, hey, yeah. pay them a little bit more. Pay them. Actually, that could be part of actually, it. Actually, I've that heard it. Pay them 1.5 times the actual going rate. Yeah. You do that, Absolutely. you're going to find the right person. Absolutely. Well, amazingly, so we had both our locations. We're now in our second location. We had a wall of windows about 20 feet wide on one frontage section and then on the other side of our front door, probably another 10 feet, right? So like 30 feet of, of windows, 10, 12 feet high, right? You know, from floor to ceiling. I mean, somebody's got to wash the windows. Yeah. I'm not good at washing windows. I don't care what you pay me. I'm probably not ever going to get good at it. A guy comes along from the fire department. And he's like, hey, I want to wash your windows. I'm like, okay, great. He does a great job, charges 60 bucks. And I'm like, it would take me three hours flat. to wash the windows, right? Flat. 60 bucks flat, flat That's right? It. I'm like, I even said to him, I'm like, are you sure? He's like, oh yeah. He's like, I just do this part-time. I'm a firefighter and nice. I do this on my off days just to make a little extra income. You know, I was like, sold. Yeah. I'm like, all you got to do is show up every month and, and do it just whenever, you know, I don't care when, doesn't matter, you know, stuff like that. I don't need to even worry about, right? I'm not doing it. I don't need to hire a staff person who's not going to be good at doing it. I'm just hire a guy who that's all he does, right? I mean, he's a firefighter and the other half of the time he's a window washer and he does a great job. And for 60 bucks, it's the best 60 bucks I could ever spend, you know, to save that. 100%. So, so you have to get out of the mindset of you can do it better, even when it comes to training clients. I, I went through that process around 2010, around year four, 2010, 2011. I started to realize I can't train as much as I'm training. I want to cut my hours back. I want to focus more on selling and growing the business and mentoring other trainers. And and people would come in and be like, well, but you have the PhD. Aren't you the best trainer? I'm like, well, I don't know if I am the best trainer because you know what? Johnny and Sarah are doing it 40 hours a week and I'm only doing it 15 hours a week. They're doing it more often than I am, more consistently than I am. And you're going to get on their schedule better than you're going to get on my schedule. You know, so, so don't make the mistake of thinking you're the best trainer, right? And nobody else can be a great trainer. That's also that's just not true. It's not. Now, it's an ego thing yeah. to admit. Oh, man, you hit it. You, you know, hit it right a, there. Come on. It's a tough ego thing to be like, oh, somebody else could be as good a trainer as me. They absolutely yeah. can. They absolutely can. Because how did you become a great trainer, right? You became a great trainer over time, yeah. right? Education and experience. Well, anybody working for you has that access. You're going to mentor them. They can become a great trainer as well. So to think that people can't do what you do is just really not the case. And I say for most business owners, the things that everyone working for you can't do are very few, right? They can't be the leader of the business, right? They can't delegate like you can. They can't be the visionary. That's you. But pretty much everything else, we can teach them to be great at sales. We can teach them to be great at marketing, great at follow-up. Absolutely, we can teach them to be a great trainer. Yeah. So you're, you're hitting you're hitting people hard we, right now. I mean, this is, well, I'm telling you. Be- you got to get out of your own, you got to get out of your own way And I think sometimes you have to say, what is it I really want to build, right? If you want to build a great fitness business, then be the leader, not just the tactician. You can't just be the worker bee, right? You've got to be the leader that's empowering other people to become great trainers and have great opportunities. Because at the end of the day, one trainer can only train so many people. Right. That's the other thing I think people make the mistake of thinking, well, I can train 50 clients. Well, great. If you want to have a really impactful, successful business, you should be thinking about training 200 clients. And you can't do that by yourself. You need a team. You got to build a a solid team, a strong culture, and a, and a group of people that are working towards that same big goal. You know, it just came to mind. What do you think about? Let's say, let's say you got five trainers, right? And matching, right? Because matching the client to the right trainer—that's sometimes is 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 an art form. 
but it can also be a science. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I would love to see how you matched your trainers to your clients. I mean, hey, listen, at the end of the day, the I don't know. Tell me, I could give you all, my two cents all day, but I want to hear yours. Yeah, I think it's both a science and an art, right. right? There's a science to it in terms of who's the best technical and tactical fit, right? Andres has a shoulder issue, so I need to put him with a trainer that's got good experience with that, right? And maybe you have no physical issues and your biggest issue is you need to be with a trainer that matches your personality, right? And that might be you're more quiet or you're more loud or you're more fun or you're more outgoing. It's different, right? Not all trainers are these rah-rah gym cheerleaders, right? Which we have this persona that like a trainer, that's more of honestly a group fitness instructor, right? They have big personalities to lead big groups, but you can be an introvert and be a great trainer, right? But I think there's an art to it as well, right? Who's going to fit well together? One of the early things we would ask people is, are you more comfortable working with a male or a female trainer? Because some people, more so for women, it seemed like women would come in with some idea of what intimidates them. And interestingly enough, it wasn't always a male trainer. Sometimes it was a fit female trainer, right? They're like, don't put me with someone who I can never be, right? And so being mindful of that to some degree, I think is sort of an art, right? Who are you going to have the most success with, be the most comfortable with? For some people, it's not an issue. They hadn't even thought about it, right? And so sometimes it's, it's purely comes down to schedule, right? The client says, well, I can only train Tuesday and Thursday at 2.15. You're like, okay, well, we only have one trainer available at 2.15. You know, it's like you have a very tight schedule. So, so question on that. So do you think it makes sense for the trainer? Hey, listen, let's just adapt to the customer. What, what's the personality? Like, have you ever thought of doing like personality assessments for your customers and clients? I don't know how that, yes. that's something you, 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 yeah, absolutely. More so, we did it more so for the trainer. So we understood the trainer in terms of where their strengths were, because nice. I don't think it works real well to try to get the trainer to adapt to every personality, right? right. Because now you're like, oh, I got to show up to work and I got to be eight different personalities <laughs> today. <laughs> I can't just be myself. Right. That's hard that's for someone, right? Yeah. I think it's an unrealistic expectation as a boss, as a leader to be like, hey, Andre, so I'm going to plug you into sheer chaos today. <laughs> and you got, you know, nine different. It's not fair. So let's put you where you're most comfortable, right? Some trainers are great in a small group training environment. Some trainers are not. Some trainers are better in a one-on-one. Some trainers can do both. So it it does kind of depend on the the personality traits and strengths of that trainer. So knowing them, I think is helpful. I never found that I wanted the first thing I wanted to do when a client came in is be like, hey, here's a personality inventory. We need to to learn your Myers-Briggs or DISC profile. But we did want to find out some of their concerns and their fears and, you know, what they were looking for. And then we'd go, okay, I think this is going to be a good fit. But we also always had the option and made it clear to clients, like you have the ability to move around, right? If this trainer doesn't seem to be the best fit or the schedule's not the best, you're not stuck with them, right? Like you're not assigned to them. You have the, the option to move. And in fact, small group training, you're going to get some flexibility because you're going to wind up with different trainers across the week. But yeah, I think that's a nuance and an art form that sometimes, again, as an owner, we can go, well, well, that trainer's just not doing it as well as I would do it. Because as the owner, I would just adapt. At the end of the day, you probably wouldn't, right? As the owner, you're going to still be yourself. Right? And you can adapt and, one day, um, but then you got to train them for six weeks, three months. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's draining on somebody. Who wants two to go years, to- Two years? <laughs> yeah, two I mean, years. Yeah, yeah. Our clients stay an average of three to four years. So wow. you better be a good. you better be a good fit and you better be... And you also have to teach the clients and the trainer both that like, it's okay at the end of year one to say, hey, you know what? I've got you this far. I think we've done great. I think you should try the next six months training with, you know, another trainer and and see where they get you because we all need to kind of see things with fresh eyes. Again, I think that's an ego thing, right? But I I realized pretty quickly, hey, I've kind of gotten into a rut with you, Doug. I think if you train with Johnny for six months, he's going to have a new fresh outlook. You're going to respond in a new, fresh way. It's going to be good for both of you. Goal is the beautiful word to hear when you're scoring on the soccer field. This last World Cup was won by Argentina because of one important player. Yeah, you got it. It was the goalie. He secured the win for the team, and in the same way, ReviewBiz platform will catch negative reviews before they go online. In addition, it helps you score and promote 
fresh new reviews so you can crush the competition. So don't let those big box gyms take your clients. ReviewBiz will help you build your online presence and turn your own members into your best sales reps. Get your first five reviews for only $1. All you got to do is go to reviewbiz.io forward slash try to get started. One of the questions I, I usually ask is, what are the issues you see in the fitness industry? And, you know, you just mentioned something about retention and, you know, attrition is, is a big problem. And so could you share with us the strategies and, and things that we can take that was help you be successful in that retention? Yeah, I would say three, three things on, well, at least two things on retention. Okay. One is we sold long-term programs. Right. So the minimum program we sold was seven months, 30 weeks. And so because of that, we got you hooked. Yeah. In fact, over half our clients signed up for a full year, our 11 month get a month free program. We switched everything to weeks, 30 weeks and 48 weeks. Much better. And so, yeah, 30 weeks doesn't sound like that big of a commitment. Right. Even mentally, it doesn't sound like as big a deal as seven months, even though it's the same time frame. Right. It's like, ah, you're going to do this for 48 weeks. What we found was if people, if we got people committed for 30 weeks or longer, the retention was just through the roof because the consistency over time, right. you know, we've got you for 90 training sessions. By the end of that, you're hooked. So that was kind of part one. We're not selling 10 packs where every 10 sessions we got to. Right. Because at the end of, at the end of 10, you're like, eh, I don't know that this really did that no. much for me. Yeah. It's hard to, you know, it's just not long enough. So, so that was part one. So did you, so on, on that one, did you sell paid in full? Like 30 weeks paid in full? So we do 30 weeks paid in full, or you can do it in payments. So you can pay as small a payment as every two weeks, or you can do every four weeks, or you can do, sometimes people want to pay in full, but they want to do it in two payments. Flexibility. Right? Like, That's great. Ah, I don't really want five grand on my credit card this month. Right. My wife might notice that. So let's do 2,500, 2,500 next month. So we're pretty agreeable. A lot of our clientele, because we're dealing with people over the age of 55, do pay in full, which that's that's great. So I think that was a huge part. And then the next two parts, I think, are just the results in the community, right? So because our club is focused on a clientele in their 50s and 60s, people get comfortable here. They get to know other people here. They get connected to other people here. And and the, that camaraderie and that community keeps them here even more so than the trainer. And then you combine that with the results they're getting because we're very results focused, right? Those three things, right? The length of time we have, which allows us to get results, because that's the challenge. If you're selling a 10 pack, I mean, how significant a results are you going to get someone in 10 sessions? And I know there's always a trainer who's like, oh, I'll get people great results in 10 sessions. I'm like, yeah, but it's well, going to stay with I'll them get them a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'll get them a lot better results in 90 sessions. And then they are hooked, right? It's become a habit. Why would I stop? I don't want to go back to who I was. I've built friends here. I've got community here. I've got camaraderie here. And you just stay our average is is three, three and a half years. And the small group aspect is really powerful because you get connected with other clients. We've had most of our clients outlast our trainers, right? I mean, our trainers might come wow. and go every three or four years, yeah. but the clients are still in that group, right? So those are kind of the three aspects of what I would call successful retention. One is you don't let people make the mistake of self-sabotage right out of the gate, right? Yeah. If I come in and I'm like, oh, okay, I'll sign up for 10 personal training sessions, I'm already allowing you basically to choose to quit in 10 sessions. We also don't train people once a week, right? You got to train a minimum of twice a week. Again, that frequency produces results, right? So, so our minimum program is 60 sessions over 30 weeks, which we have found leads to, to great results because that consistency. Whereas if you just do 10 sessions over 10 weeks, I'm just not going to produce the results to then renew you. Yeah. Results are, are huge and without commitment you can't really expect much. So I love that. Yeah, I love that. Exactly, That's so good. Exactly. Yeah. The client doesn't know what they don't know, right? The client doesn't know when they walk in, right? And they're thinking, oh, I'm going to hire a trainer. I'll sign up for a 10 or 20 pack, right? Because the client doesn't know that they're already sabotaging themselves, right? Like I'm going to make such a small commitment that I'll be sure to fail, right? I'll be like, that's not their plan. But then you sell them that. They get to the end of 10 sessions. They're like, eh, I don't know. It didn't really do much for me. I think I'll try it on my own. It's like, hey, stop selling them stuff that isn't going to work, right? Force them 
educate them, lead them into a program that can be successful. And then they'll be a client for years, right? I mean, at that point, they're hooked. Yeah, no, it's so important to to get them the results fast and quick as possible so they can stay hooked, move on, right? I mean, the first three months of a gym membership is the most crucial, right? And so they're committed right now, hey, two times a week, it's not just show up and, and work out. No, you're showing up and you're going to be with somebody and you have sessions involved. And obviously your membership, all your memberships come with a, a trainer or do you have like the dual model? Like, hey, just, you know, come in and work. Yeah. So at, at our studio, all the memberships are training based, right? right. So you're going to tra- work with a trainer two times a week right. or three times a week, small group. So four to six clients yep. or one-on-one. Health club memberships included, it's free because that's what it's worth, right? Right. You know, so it's just, it's an add-on bonus because nobody's ever got fit from a health club membership in the history of health club memberships, right? I love, um, so wait, 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 hold I on mean, a second. So do you say, I mean, if somebody comes in, they could just use the gym for free, no problem? Yeah, they can use the gym as much as they want. But they have to have, fact, a, we have, to have a membership you though, right? Right. Okay. You have to either be trained or so you're the client, Andre. So you have to either train with us two times a week or three times a week, but you can come in six days a week if you want. Got it. You know, come use the equipment. We want you to be a regular, be comfortable here. Oh, by the way, we have no gym members. So keep in mind, the only people here working out are training members. And so because of that, it's a small, intimate, it's never crowded. You can always get a piece of equipment, right? Because the people that are in here are pretty much in here by appointment. So you're never going to have more than 15 people in here, right? right? You've got your own private gym anytime you want. Obviously, 6 a.m. to 8 p.m. Is, was 6 a.m. to 7 yeah. p.m. we changed to. So that's just included because we want you to come reinforce what you're doing with your trainer. You don't need to go get a gym membership somewhere else. But just keep in mind, no one has ever in the history of fitness gotten in shape from a gym membership, right? You can line up any gym you want. I don't care the best gym in the world. That membership piece of paper never got anybody fit. You know what gets people fit? You know what gets people results? Consistency, showing up, programming for results. And so the trainer that's going to take you on a journey two, three times a week over the next 30 weeks is going to baby step you to results, right? It's not the membership that gets you there. It's the consistent time, putting in the time and, and being very programmatic, right? Do you know how to get from point A to point B? Probably not. Most people don't, yeah. right? Well, the tricky part then is, well, how do I go from point B to point C and then to D and then to, right? And we're thinking 30 weeks, where do we want to get you, right? right? So I love that because you, you're knocking out the false belief. Hey, you got a gym membership. You're going to get in shape. You're good to go. No, you're not. Right. You're not. You're not, you're not special. Sorry. You yeah. know, <laughs> you never say that. Right. But, but yeah, it's like, listen, truth be known, it's, it's going to be like everybody else. The result's going to be what you put into it. And so we're going to be accountable two times a week. I love it. No, it's, it's great. Yeah. And I think we kind of covered enough there, like the things that can prove in the gym industry, like, Hey, tell them, Hey, listen, you're going to show up to the gym. You're going to buy membership. Yeah, that's great. Oh, you, you're going to look up YouTube. You look up some, all right, cool. But who's going to keep you accountable to make sure you get to your goals as soon as possible? Well, we are. And in order for you to have a come here any day, you got to sign up with a either small group or a, a personal PT trainer. That's it. Like, listen, yeah. I'm not going to sell you a membership just for you to show up. I'm sorry. I love that. Yeah. And some and, and it, some training studios, that doesn't make right. sense, right? They don't have like an open gym model. It's right. just, you know, you sign up for three training appointments a week and that's fine. And even that, you know, I would emphasize to people is so much more valuable than a gym membership, right? Because how many people have a gym membership, but they don't go? Or how many people have a gym membership and they go two or three times a week, but they don't get any results because... They're not doing anything to make progress because they don't know what to do to make progress. So they wind up walking on the treadmill. They do some weights. They kind of go through the motions. They're like, well, I went to the gym this week. So they feel better about themselves. And then next week, they don't go to the gym because something else comes up. No, you've got an appointment with us three times a week. And we're going to make sure you're here. And because you're paying this rate, you're going to show up. And because you want to change. So you don't have to have open gym membership. That was just something we were able to provide and, and offer as a bonus. And and basically differentiate like, look, you don't need to go somewhere else and try to figure it out for 40 bucks a month because you're not right. I tell most personal training studios, you know, they're like, oh, we're going to compete with Planet Fitness. It's only 10 bucks a month. You know, I'm like, yeah, so what? Right. I mean, 10 bucks a month is nothing. Do you think like the really quality burger joint that's selling a high quality burger for 12 bucks is really worried about McDonald's like $1.50? 
McDouble burger or whatever their dollar menu. I mean, it's like, no, they're not. So stop worrying about the low cost and stay focused on high quality service, high quality product. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Why worry about that? Right? No, there's no reason to worry, you know, focus on what you're giving the value, the results, and it just speaks for itself. Man, I love it. We can really like go deep into this. And and I hope you guys have gotten some strategies, some ideas. Uh, If you are a boutique type gym that's offering uh, the services that that Dan has offered. And obviously Dan doesn't own the gym anymore. Truth be known, he sold the gym successfully. He actually acquired a Pilates studio as well during the process. And he's an open book and he's sharing with us so many good nuggets. And I really appreciate that. And there is some things that obviously it ain't all sunshine and rainbows, right? There were obstacles. There were challenges in your business. I'm sure of it. Business would not be business without a challenges. And so can you share with us an obstacle that you had and how you were able to overcome it? Oh yeah, sure. Well, you mentioned sunshine and rainbows. You don't get rainbows without uh, storms, right? right? You got to have some, right. got to have some rain to get rainbows. You know, we had several obstacles we opened a second location in 2012 and we thought as so many people do, Oh, we'll open a second location. We'll expand. We got this figured out and it proved to be a big mistake. You know, it was like, why did we open a second location seven miles away? What we found was they weren't really far enough away, even though they're two separate towns, West Lafayette, Lafayette, they're two separate towns. People in Lafayette were like, well, if you just had a Lafayette location, like, yeah, if the 500 people who all told me that had signed up, we would have been hugely successful. But, what we realized by about year four of that mistake was we have people in our West Lafayette location that live in Lafayette and live closer to the Lafayette location, but are coming to the West Lafayette one, right? And you're like, what, Wayne, why are you coming here? He's like, oh, this is where I get my car washed. It's easier to get here. There's less lights. You know, I was like, you're 12 minutes from the other location. He's like, yeah, but I've been coming here. It's 15 minutes. So we kind of realized and we started to just chart the city. We're like, Half of the clientele at the Lafayette location lived equidistance from either one. So it was like, why do we have two locations? And so we eventually closed the the second one. And that was an ego hit, right? I mean, it was like, oh, man, I went from one location to two. Well, what's the next thing? Three. What's the next thing? Four. Nope. The next thing is back to one and make it more profitable. Suck up your ego and be like, it was a failure, but it was a failure. And what we realized was... We really just needed to grow the first one even bigger, right? To the point at which the first one was not at full capacity where we needed a second location because we couldn't hold any more clients. And so we were essentially competing with ourselves. It was like, why are we doing this? We don't need to have two operations and two staffs and two sets of equipment and two rents, you know? So we quickly got more profitable at the first location, brought everything back into one place. And then the other thing I would say, because you mentioned it briefly, you know, I sold Miracles Fitness here in June of 2022. Everyone listening, you're for sale, whether you realize it or not. I think far too often we think, oh, well, I'll never sell. Well, I mean, that's sort of like saying, well, I'll never die, right? I mean, it's like, <laughs> I mean, right. like you can't say stuff like, well, you'll never sell. Well, if somebody walked up to you and made you an offer you couldn't refuse, right? That famous line, right. you would take it, right? If somebody walked up to you and said, well, I'll offer you a million dollars for your business, no questions asked, you'd, be, you'd have to think about Take the money, right? Go do something else. But your business, you should be thinking about, it's going to last longer than you, right? It's going to have a future beyond you. You're going to want to retire someday or do something else or not be a gym owner anymore or whatever it is, right? Like I'm 47 years old and I didn't want to be a gym owner anymore and that's okay. And I was able to sell it to one of my trainers who wanted to be a gym owner for the next 10, 20 years, right? I mean, he was thrilled and excited to have the opportunity. So think about that as you're growing your business. And I know a lot of fitness owners post-COVID have thought about, well, I could never sell my business because it's a fitness business and COVID hurt it. And you'd be surprised. There are people out there that are interested in starting a business and it's a whole lot easier to buy an existing one than to start from scratch. And so just realize you don't have to close. I think there are a lot of fitness owners that are like, oh, I just don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to have to close my business. Maybe not. Maybe you can sell it and you might sell it for way more than you even realize. And and doing both, either... either fork in the road that you decide. I think both have the same amount of of work to do, you know, to sell and to close. It's the same same process. So you rather make some money or not. And when you're talking about uh, selling a business, there's, there's so much that I think we can unwrap with that, right? You sold it to your trainer. Like, how did that work? And I almost want to bring you back because 
I feel like this episode could be like two hours long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, sure. I love it. I love we're it. We're barely scratching the surface. We're just scratching the surface, guys. <laughs> I mean, listen, uh, we talk about the the growth zone. And so there is either you're opening up a new gym, you're growing your gym, or you're selling your gym. And so Dr. Richie has has just explained like the whole process and, and how these things thing work and the pitfalls and things that, that we can make sure that we don't do. And and if we do want to do it our own way anyways, hey, listen, you should think about this. And so something to think about. And so as a gym owner, as a business owner, you've been influenced by many different people, places. What has been a particular story of, of somebody influencing you during this journey? Well, I mentioned earlier getting a mentor or business coach. Yeah. And they, they don't have to be in the fitness space, by the way. In fact, I had a my first business coach was not in the fitness space. My second one was in the fitness space, and it was helpful to have both. And then I, I personally think attending conferences outside the fitness world helped me. So I attended, I attended the Global Leadership Summit. I attended a couple other leadership conferences I can't remember the names of that, that really helped because I needed to get better as a leader regardless of what industry I was in, right? Like it doesn't matter whether you're a fitness business owner or a plumber or an HVAC guy, you like, you got to be a better leader, owner, driver of the business. And so probably John Maxwell, 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership was a helpful book for me to realize, yeah, I mean, I'm an influencer. I'm a persuader. I'm, I'm someone that people have to follow. You know, when you hear people say, oh, you can't find good people, I immediately pause because I remember that book. Lousy people can't find good people. Ooh, what? Right? Lousy people can't find good people. And I've had people even ask me this, right? Because people are like, oh, well, Dan, you'd never work for anybody. And I always, I always pause and I say, actually, that's not true. I would work for someone great. I would work for someone great that unleashed my greatness, right? If someone gave me a phenomenal opportunity bigger than I can create for myself, that would excite me. And I would work for that person. But I'm not going to work for somebody that's a lousy leader. I'm not, Right. And so I also realized I got to get better as a leader, right? Because if I'm not attracting great people, people that want to work for me, building a great team, it really says more about me. And so sometimes I think when people say, oh, you just can't find good people anymore. I'm always like, hmm, I don't know if that's true. There might be something you need to work on on yourself in terms of your own leadership skills. It could purely be you're not paying people well enough, right? You might be a great leader. You're just, you don't know the, the market and you have to pay better. But so that book was really helpful to me. John Maxwell has another one that's sitting right here on my my desk, just developing the leader within you. I think the reality is you can be the best trainer in the world, but if you're a lousy business owner and a lousy business leader, you're going to struggle with your business because you're going to have a hard time getting good people because you're not a great leader, you know? And so developing your leadership skills, developing your interpersonal skills, understanding. I mean, I had to learn a lot about myself. I've learned so much about myself, right? Like I I didn't realize people were intimidated by me or found me intimidating. So they weren't telling me the truth, right? It was like, oh, I just, I was so intimidated. It was like, wow, I'm not intimidating. Well, but I am apparently. I had to learn that, right? So I have a tremendous amount of confidence, which can easily translate to arrogance if you're not careful, right? And so things like that, I had to learn about myself, right? And these things take time. And so I tell people, you got to spend a lot of time working on you, developing you, understanding you and becoming a better version of you. If you're struggling with some of these basics, like I can't find good people or you're a perfectionist, nobody can do it as well as me. Sounds to me like you got some work to do on yourself, right? You got to get more introspective and, and reflect on some of the things you need to work on, right? Because it's not that you can't find good people. It's that good people aren't gravitating to you, aren't attracted to you, aren't willing to work for you. You know, if you're the kind of boss that never gives someone a day off, how long is someone going to want to work for you, right? Well, most of us will put up with that for a certain amount of time, but then eventually you're like, hey, I got to go to my dad's funeral. You know, it's like, no, you can't, you can't have a day off. Then the person quits, right? I mean, you got to be a reasonable person. So yeah, I think I've always said getting a mentor or a coach or even part of a group of other business owners, getting a networking group with other business owners. So you have a place to, to get ideas and then read books. And I, I tend to say, read, stop reading training books. I mean, seriously, you know everything you need to know about training. Oh, training, gotcha. Um, yeah, yeah. Finish fitness training. training. You'll keep doing that. I know you will. But 
we read too many books for how to train the clients and we don't need read enough books on leadership and business right. growth and marketing. And all, most of the books on my stack here, ready, fire, aim, mm. no BS grassroots marketing, yeah. John Maxwell, developing the leader within you, online training, all things that you need to learn new aspects of business and leadership and probably spend less time on 19 ways to do a push-up. <laughs> we'll make sure we'll put those books inside of the show notes because those are great. Sure. Because what I'm hearing is that being self-aware is super important and then investing in yourself. Plain and simple, the actual tactics of training are important, but you have that down. You're in this, you've been, this is like a lifestyle for you. So go ahead and focus on developing yourself so you can be a better leader. Love it. Man, I guess I really didn't even get a chance to go through all our questions, but I'm, we're going to go through. Happy to come I'm, back. I'm going to have you come, come back. back I'm definitely going to have you come <laughs> back. And I know the audience is going to love this because we're going to go through our fast five right now. Awesome. So I'm going to hit you and then you're going to hit me back. Ready? All right, okay. here we go. Who is an influential person or people in your business or personal journey? Well, I would say Steve Thals with Action Coach. You know, I, I mentioned getting a coach. He was my first business coach. Nice. Okay. Love it. Love it. Yeah. If you could send me his information, I'd love to put him in there. That'd be great. He's retired oh, now. Oh, sorry, guys. <laughs> so sorry. Yeah, Just tease you on he that. Was my first, he was my first business coach, I think in 2009. So <laughs> Yeah, but find one. is super important. I agree 100%. Yeah. Well, I was talking that with my wife yesterday. Is like, we've invested so much in our business, ourself, and- Doing a podcast, we were talking about this earlier, doing a podcast is, it's been something we've been wanting to do. And all the trainings and all the knowledge that I've taken has helped me do it and get it done. And so, but I don't do it by myself. I have a team that helps me. So, all right, next. What's one thing you wish you had known at the beginning of your business? You know, the the biggest mistake we made is we got into too much debt. And so the, the one thing I wish we had known was start small, start simple, and don't get into too much debt. Because once you start too big and in too much debt, you're forever digging out of that. Wow, that's good. I real simple phrase I, I just heard recently is don't despise small beginnings. Start small. Yeah. Go ahead yeah. and do that and then build up. That's it. That's what you just said. I love it. Yeah, we started with a little over 6,000 square feet because we thought we needed to be that size and we could handle that amount of debt. And, you know, nobody told us, oh, you're going to wind up going in $100,000 more debt than they're telling you based on that square footage and the equipment needs you're going to need and the build out. And we could have started with 2,500, 3,000 square feet and cut our debt way down and, and been profitable and out of debt nice. way faster. Nice. No, that's good. What's a book, a blog? We talked about books a podcast, maybe something, a media that you consumed that's positively impacted you. So you can repeat something that you already said, or if you feel inspired to say something new, love, love to hear that as well, because there's so much out there, right? Oh my goodness. There's so many. I really like the Bradley Sugars series. I have them on my shelf here, Instant Success. I think it's about a 10 book series. There's like instant advertising, instant promotions, instant cash flow, instant team building. I use the instant team building for getting better at hiring wow. because I realized like I was not good at interviewing and hiring people. And then personally, kind of for Miracles Fitness, the No BS Marketing to Boomers and Seniors was a really impactful book by Kennedy. Yeah, Dan, Dan Kennedy, would say, of course. Dan Kennedy, I would say I wound up consuming just a lot of Dan oh. Kennedy type stuff, right? His newsletter, I already mentioned No BS Grassroots Marketing. Both those yeah. books are sitting right here. And so, you know, that local marketing, direct response marketing for a fitness studio is so important to understand how that works. So for us, because the Miracles Fitness is focused on boomers and yeah. seniors, the No BS Marketing to Boomers and Seniors continues to be a book that I recommend all the time to people. That's awesome. Yeah, I like I like Magnetic Marketing by Dan Kennedy. Yeah, he just, he that's just a great released that. Yep. And he's got a collaboration yep. with uh, Russell Brunson. And uh, yes. so yep. it's, it's really cool uh, to see him still. Obviously, everybody thought he was dead. <laughs> I literally, was it last year? Actually, uh, this. As they say, his death was greatly exaggerated. Oh, big time. It's crazy, right? What a great marketing tactic. This this picture I took with Russell over here. And that week he came out with Dan Kennedy. Where everyone was like, are you kidding me? This guy's not dead. <laughs> Russell, he's still alive. The dead. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. I saw Dan Kennedy speak in Indianapolis. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, six or seven years ago. And I still remember 
I mean, when he was that close, I'm like, well, I got to go see him speak because I've been reading his books and and modeling all his tactics, you know. And, you know, he, he gave a great talk, but I still remember him saying, you know, if Subway can market a 12-inch sandwich as health food, then you can market anything, right? You know, he's like, if Subway can convince America, eat healthy, a 12-inch sub. I was like, ah, oh, yeah, that's brilliant. We all think Subway's eating healthier, right? <laughs> we do. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. Like, yeah. Right? Yeah, oh, so, man. <laughs> eat fresh. I think at that time, it was Subway was like a big push on eating healthier, and they were comparing themselves to Burger right. King and McDonald's. Yeah. And he's like, if they can convince America that a 12-inch sub is health food, and they had one case study, Jared. Anything. One the one case yeah. study, Jared <laughs> exactly. was the spokesperson for yeah. Subway. Yeah. And yeah. and literally transformation. Wow. That goes to show you. You can take one case study, one transformation story, and have it front and center for your business. And people will be like, Yeah, that's me. I want that. Yep. Let's go. Yep. I love yep. it. Yep. Oh, so good. Oh my gosh. Fast five. So good. Fast five. All right. You ready? Uh the your favorite <laughs> online tool. And I know you use ReviewBiz, but outside of ReviewBiz, what has been one of your favorite online tools? Oh, man, there's so many. I'll give you two. I would say FitPro Newsletter for email service. Uh, You got to be emailing your list consistently, and that provides hundreds of done-few fitness pieces of content. And then the other one would be Text Magic. Oh, okay. Where you can text, you know, for $50, you can send thousands of texts to hundreds of prospects, clients all that sort of thing. So those would probably be the two online apps that have been the most useful to our fitness business the last five years. Texting is so powerful. People undermine texting and and business texting, you know, in the last three, four years has really been on the uprise. And so if you guys are not texting your customers, your leads, you're missing out Yeah, because your competitors are. And and again, we're going after, we're going after 55 to 75 year olds. And people are like, oh, they all have smartphones. Yeah, they do. And they're not texting a lot. So when you text something to them, it gets their attention. Yeah. And when you email to them, it gets their attention because, both. again, their email is not as overloaded. So so both are very powerful in this market. So, yeah, those are two apps that we've used. Combo one-two um, punch right business. there. Email and texting. Yep. Yep. You're not doing yep. it. You're missing out. That's plain and simple. Absolutely. Plain and simple. I, yep. I, I got three, four years in the texting world. That's actually that reward was because of a texting company. So it works. All right. Last one from the five. What's one habit or practice that you believe everybody would benefit from doing? We're talking business growth? You know, at this point, we're talking anything. (laughs) Anything? Right? Anything like it could be business, personal growth. Because honestly, if you're not growing personally, you're not growing your business. That's plain and simple. We all know that. Yeah, so, right, right. So, I mean, it, it could be either. Well, there's, it's hard to do just one. Um, Just one. I just want one. That's it. Simple. I guess if I'm just going to do one, the first thing that comes to mind is to follow up nine times more than you are already, right? And so I think the average, when I talk to fitness owners, the average thing I find out is they're frustrated or they're disgruntled, they're upset, "Ah, people don't really want to work out, people don't want to train with me. Somebody said they were interested, then they ghosted me. And my response always is, how many times did you reach out to them? How many times did you follow up? How many times did you try to rescue them? Because they're sitting in a situation of pain, they're sitting in a situation of frustration, they're sitting in a situation of, I can't lose weight, I can't get healthy, I don't know how to do this. And they knocked on your door one time and they didn't happen to sign up, but that was them literally waving their hand saying, please save me, please rescue me, please help me, I don't know how to help myself. And you haven't followed up 19 times? Why not? Why are you not trying harder to save them? So I always tell people, if you follow up harder... And I, I, my rule is follow up 12 times or keep following up until they tell you to stop, like literally keep following up because if they expressed interest, maybe it's not today, maybe it's not next week, maybe it's not next month, maybe it's six months from now, but if you give up, it's never going to happen, right? They're not going to all of a sudden stumble upon you again. So I always tell people follow up so much harder as if their life depends on you seeking them out to rescue them. That's what they need from you. And so keep trying, keep pursuing until they tell you to stop. So keep reaching out, keep following up. I think we give up way, way too easy, right? Because it's it's painful, right? Like, oh, they didn't email me back. They didn't call me back. They said, I'm not sure. And as a fitness person, it's easy for us to just go, ah, they don't want to work out. Like, no, they don't want to work out. That's why they are where they are, you know? So, so follow up harder. We've got to 
be the solution for people. We got to reach out to rescue people. Yeah, I think from that, I'm, I'm going to take that seeking the uncomfortableness because following up with the same person again and again, it's uncomfortable. It's like, oh my gosh, if I seek that it and is. then if we get rejected, being okay with the rejection is is only happens by practicing and going after, going after, yeah. going after. And yeah. that's it. Yeah. I think yeah. it's so important. I love that. That's a great, yeah. great habit practice. And then we're at the end. And so I like to wrap it up with one last question. And that question is going to take you back to little Dan Ritchie. If you were to share one piece of advice to yourself at 10 years old, what would it be? Hmm. 10 years old. Well, it could be, it could be 12. Age. I don't, I mean, could you be know, 12, yeah. I don't want to talk to you at 15 because you know it all. So. Right. Oh that's, yeah. That's I get not, it for sure. <laughs> that's a little <laughs> damage I want to talk to. <laughs> you know, I think based on what I know now and how I've changed my view on aging, and I think it was probably in my teens when I saw my grandmother doing amazing things. I think if I would go back and talk to myself at 10, I think it would be to to just look at those around you, your grandparents, other people in their 60s and 70s, and instead of seeing them as old people, see them as grown-up 10-year-olds. And what are they doing? How are they living life? And why is there a difference? Because I think one of the things I've noticed is, you know, some people, when I was 10, to be 50 was old. I mean, it oh, was, yeah. right? Well, now, if you call somebody 50 old, you better duck because they're going to yeah. punch you in the <laughs> face, right? They'll be like, I'm not old. What are you talking about? So we've shifted that view, but I think what I realized as I look back at 10, right, this is 37 years ago, I'm 47, there were people at 60 that were old and not living well, right, right? and aging poorly. And then there are other people at 60 doing amazing Mm. things. And I, I wish at 10, I had a little more eyes for that, that I could have even been learning then, because now it's such an amazing thing to me to see, like people in their 70s and 80s can absolutely do amazing things. And and many of them describe it as the best decade of their life, right? And you're wow. like, what? Yeah. How's that possible? They're old, right? It's like, yeah, but if they're not old or they don't feel old. Age, they're, right? They're... Talk about body age, right? Yeah, I mean, that's super important. Right. So, so I think if at 10, I had a little more eyes for that, I would have had even more wealth of knowledge as I, because I didn't realize that that was going to be my future until my 20s. Like, hey, this is an amazing thing to be working with people in their 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, you know, so. I mean, I always had a great relationship with my grandparents and really enjoyed them. And I still tell stories about playing soccer with my grandmother in her late 60s. Wow. Right. Well, she never played soccer as a she never played soccer as a kid. She only ever played like football and basketball. Yeah. So she only knew one thing, run you over. Right. I mean, it was like literally like, Grandma, you can't hip check. You can't knock me down. Keep getting the ball from you. <laughs> so, so I wish at 10 I had had even more eyes to kind of see that what we call aging diversity, right? Why is it some people at 60 are absolutely rocking out life and other people are not? That's what I'd say. No, that's great. Like the sage, I mean, especially in this country, we don't really value the gray hairs. We don't value the gray no. hairs. And and, and, and no, it's, it's super no. important. I, I love that. Well, Dr. Richie, thank you so much. You've been a pleasure to talk to and catch up and get to know you more and share some of your wisdom, right? Some of your... Uh, challenges and, and obstacles and and i really thank you for for coming on the show and we look forward to seeing you next time absolutely thank you hey that was so good i'm so glad dr dan got to share valuable insights on building a successful fitness business he emphasized the importance of setting boundaries and not trying to please everyone which allowed him to focus on high impact tasks and made a significant difference in his business. And I know it will for you. Specifically, he highlighted the importance of delegating low value tasks and eliminating those $10 to $60 jobs to focus on high value tasks that bring in more revenue. Well, we all know that in the conversation, he emphasized the need to balance time and training clients and So it allows you to lead your team more effectively. So he would love to know. So now I would love to hear what stood out for you. So go ahead and drop me a comment on Instagram. You can find me at meetesco and I'd be super grateful to hear from you. And also remember to follow or subscribe if you still need to do so. And our next episode is going to be with Michael Chu. So I can't wait for you to listen in. And so I'll be seeing you next time in the Growth Zone.
Our show today was brought to you by our incredible team, starting with production from TSE Studios, music consulting by Tyler Schmeling, our lovely guest coordinator, Anna Ponce, and focus juice from our project coordinator, Mauricio Murillo, and myself, Andres Escobar, as the host. Thanks to ReviewBiz for sponsoring this episode. And if you want to get the most out of your review strategy, then go to reviewbiz.io forward slash try so you can get your first five reviews from your real members for only $1.